There's a lot going on today. Uh, Lord, I pray for all the tensions politically, the issues right now regarding police officers and black young men and all the things that in the news today. Lift your hand with me and pray a prayer. Say, Lord, in Jesus' name, we need each other. Father, I pray you touch the hearts of our police officers, those who fight so hard. So many work for us. So many are in this church. We pray for grace on them as they seek to keep us safe. But we also pray for the injustice at times that have been obvious to so many and even to officers who've been not happy with some of the ways that some of their fellow officers have responded in certain circumstances. But God, give them all wisdom. We all need each other. In the middle of it all, we got to find a way to do us right and also, Lord God, to understand the pain that we all work through together. I thank you for your healing touch on these issues today. I pray for you, God, to touch us in ways where we know you are in charge, as that song just said. And you rose, Lord God. You gave us victory in our lives so we would not be afraid, but be confident and strong. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Repeat the top with me, please. Say the courageous resurrection that changed everything. We're in a series, and the series this year is called Courageous Conversations. And each month we take on a different element of that issue because I believe in life, in order to succeed, you have to have courageous conversations. Today's conversation is about the resurrection. Today's conversation is about why Jesus died and rose again and how significant that is. Religion is nice. Religion is something that we all should value. It's the acts of kindness that we do to represent God in the world. Religion is about feeding the hungry. Religion is about going out and helping a homeless person find a place to live. That's a good thing. But religion can be self-fulfilling. You do it so you feel good about you. Relationship is different. Relationship with God goes beyond religious acts. A person can be kind to you and not like you. You can be religious and not like people. Relationship with God takes you to another place. As you interact with him, he challenges your life and pulls you to another place. The resurrection of Jesus was not about building religion in the world. It was about developing a relationship with people and giving them a chance to start over again. It's about a life change. It's about a new opportunity to see what life looks like when you serve God. And so I want to get you, if you would please, to note two verses of Scripture this morning. I've given to the, you in the, your sermon notes. If you're watching from home, you can simply download the notes or pull them up right there, minimize your screen, and they're, they're readily available to you. Two verses that say this in clear language that helps us understand the reason for the resurrection. Now, please understand, if we're not careful, it will evolve into a religious experience where every Easter we tell the Christmas, the, not Christmas story, tell the Easter story. 
We tell the story about how he died and how he rose again, and we cry about the cross and the whipping, and then we tell the story, and everyone gets emotional. And that's all we do. If you're not careful, it's a story about him and not about you. If you're not careful, all this is about you honoring him, but nothing has nothing to do with you. And that's not what this is about. The resurrection is a lot about you. Romans chapter 6, 5, verse 17 says so. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. And behold, how many things? All things. Come on, one more time. How many things? One more time. Say out loud. All what? All things have become what? New. New King James. Poetically said it well. The whole goal of Christ in your life is to make you new, to help you start all over again. What would it be like if you could do that? What if you can go back in time and be a completely new person? What would you never do? What would you start over? How would you pick your job, your career? How would your love life be? Somebody say, oh, if I can go back. My love life would be totally different. <laughs> I'd behave differently. I would make different choices. That's what the resurrection is really about. Taking people who've lived lives outside of God's best and giving them an opportunity to, without guilt, without condemnation, to start all over again, to lay down all their failures, all their sins. This is pictured in Romans chapter 6, verse 3, where Paul describes something called water baptism in a way. Sort of an interesting parallel. Paul, in describing how a person comes to know Christ, he uses water baptism to make a point, not to teach you that you're saved by water baptism. I don't believe in what's called baptismal regeneration, which means you're regenerated or born again by being baptized in water. That's not how it works. That's too easy. If that's all it takes, let's go to the beach and all get saved. It's more than that. Baptism is a symbol of something, Paul says. It's a picture of dying to an old life and rising to a new life. It's you starting all over again. The resurrection is a picture. When Jesus rose, it's, it's almost like he said, you now get to identify with what I did. I died and I rose. Come on, say, he died and he rose. Those two things must happen in your life. You die to the old life and you rise to a new one. Look with me and notice how he says this in Romans 6 and 4. When we were lowered into the water, and this is the message version, more contemporary version. When we were lowered into the water, it is like, like the burial of Jesus. It's not the burial of Jesus, it's like it. It's a, it's a picture of it. When we are raised up out of the water, it is like being raised. It's like the resurrection of Jesus. Died to the old, rose to the new. Hand signals, you ready? Come on, say died to the old, rose to the new. That, my friend, is what this is all about. Do you not know that as many of us were baptized into, into Christ? Jesus, not into water, into, into Christ who? Jesus, were baptized into his what? Death, which means you're identified with him. He died, you died. God looks at you, and he sees a person who died. God looks at you, 
and sees the person who rose. We're buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the newness of life. The resurrection is about a change of life. It's about a new beginning. And there are three things that happened, and I will not read all the verses. I will simply let you do it on your own, but I want to give you three simple things that happened. The first thing that happened is your address changed. You no longer live in the same place. You no longer have the same habits. I love the way he says this in the, in the New Living Translation, and the uh, message version. It says, if we left, I put in bold prints for you, if we left the country where, we, where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in our old house? We moved out of the old place. We're no longer bound by the old life. I no longer live at that address. Sometimes when you meet people that saw you way back in the day and they knew you as a gangbang or whatever, you have to let them know I moved. I don't live like I used to live. I don't talk like I used to live. I, I, I am totally different. Secondly, we now see ourselves as nailed to the cross. He died. We died. That stuff was nailed down and it's no longer a part of who I am. And thirdly, we have a new language now. The way we talk, we don't have the same words. All that happened, all that took place at the death and resurrection of Christ. So here's a question. Is that true for your life? Well, Pastor Rick, are you trying to say am I perfect? The answer is no. Can we all say no together? No, no we're not perfect. This is not about you being perfect. This is about you understanding your potential. This is about understanding that you have the potential to live a new life now. There was a time when you were a slave to the old life. You had no options. You could say nothing but yes to the old way. But now that you've been risen in Christ, you don't have to do that anymore. Have you ever looked back in your life and, 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 and thought you had to do some things, but now you figured out you didn't have to do that? You ever went back in your life and looked back and said, I, I thought I had to spend that money, but now I realize I didn't have to? There's something about coming to realize that Jesus made it possible for you to be free. I don't have to be bound like I used to be. I don't have to follow the pattern of my family. I love my family, but I don't have to be like them. I don't have to drink. I don't have to drink. I can drink. I can get a shot after church. But I just saw what drinking did to my family. For me, it's not my choice. I saw what womanizing did. I saw that after falling in love with 50 people, it wasn't as wonderful as, I, as they thought it was. I saw that after they grew up and lived a while, that the old life was better nailed than lived. And so I want you to think about this for a minute. Where's your life going? I'll tell you how you can measure it, and it's the second point I want to make today. Look at your behavior. Your life's behavior tells you a lot, and that gets me to the next point. The resurrection changed our behavior. When a person has truly been resurrected and they've really met God for real, they change. I believe that life changes you. And it starts with your definition. Now, I want you to listen to verse, verse 15 in chapter 6. Here's what he says. It's interesting, and this is, again, the message version. Since we were out from under the old tyranny, does that mean that we can live any old way we want? 
since we're free in the freedom of God, can we do anything that comes to our mind? Hardly. And the King James it says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Love that language. The point is, okay, so now I'm resurrected. Now I've met God, so do I live the way I used to live? Hardly. As a matter of fact, the reason I don't live that way is because I see boundaries differently now. You know, it used to be a time in my life when I thought, if you told me no, that you were being bad or hindering me. Now I'm going, that's a guardrail. That's an incredible help to me in my life. If you put up a boundary in my life, if you say no to me, I view that as a freedom, not a bondage. Being told no can be the best thing that ever happened to you. You know, God established in marriage these boundaries, right? He established these boundaries for husbands and these boundaries for men. He said, men, here's what I want you to do. I want you to love your wife like Christ loves the church. I want you to love her unconditionally no matter what she's like. I want you to love her. That's what he said. You don't get to choose and make her perfect. You don't have this conditional love. Okay, you, on a scale of 1 to 10, you are a 2 today, so you get 2% love. It's not like that. Love is unconditional. I come and I say, I obey you, God, and I trust you with my life. And so that's the God real. Wives, you to love, submit to your husbands. I didn't say be abused. I didn't say be abused. I didn't say what? Be abused. I didn't say that. Some people define submission as abuse. Remember, this is what he said. It's interesting. Since we are from under the old way of life, old tyranny, does that mean that we can live any way we want? Since we are free in the freedom of God, can we do anything that, we, that comes to our mind? Hardly. You know well, you know well enough from your experience that there are some acts of so-called freedom that destroy freedom. In other words, he says, when you come to know God, you realize that some things he tells you to do really are on the front end, they, they seem, rather than me phrase that, they seem like you're being put in bondage, but really you're being freed. A lot of women view submission to their husbands as something that's enslaving. A lot of men view loving their wives unconditionally as something that's enslaving. But what you learn when you're resurrected is you learn that boundaries really are your, free, are your, are your friend. That they, they lift you to a new place. Your definitions change. I now view loving unconditionally as a good thing. I don't define that as a bad thing. When a wife understands her calling and her place and her, her role in, her, in, in the life of the family, and she says, you know what, let me not be this difficult person to lead. Let me, let me God says for me to submit to my husband, let me work that out. Let me work that out. I know I'm not, I'm not a slave. I'm not in bondage. Let me work that out. If everybody starts working out the love part and the submitted part and the work together part and the talk it over part and the work move forward part and act like resurrected people, it's amazing how different the life would be. Can I get one amen? amen. Maybe a half a hand clap. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying you have no rights, sister. I'm not saying you have no rights, brother. I'm simply saying resurrected people define things differently. They don't define things the same way as those who don't know God. You're different than, than those people because you say your new creation. And so that means in the middle of a moment, you might have to pull your tongue in and say, think about that. Does that sound like a resurrected person? 
Am I a person who's representing what I really believe? And that affects a lot when I analyze it that way. So there are three things. The resurrection that changed our behavior. Number one affects how we define freedom. Number two, it will motivate us to listen to a new master. But thank God you're starting, you started listening to a new master, he said in verse 17. One who commands sets you free. I love the fact that now that I know God, I am no longer a servant. I'm no longer bound to the old master. And thirdly, I've come to a place where I've learned and resolved two important questions that are really amazing to me. The longer you live, and I see this to be so true now as I age in my own life, verse 21. When I'm free, I've learned that there are two things that are really important to ask yourself. And I often ask people this, what did you get out of that? Living outside of God's will and outside of God's way, what did you get out of that? And secondly, where did it get you? At the end of the day, that's the question. Look what he said in verse 21 in the Message Bible. But do you call that a free life, living any way you want? What did you get out of it? Nothing. You're proud of now. Where did it get you? Listen to it again. What did you get out of it? Nothing. Are you proud of it now? Are you proud of it now? Where did it get you? A dead end. Here's what he's saying. Basically, it doesn't work. But now that you've found you don't have to listen to sin, tell you what to do, and have discovered the delight of listening to God telling you what a surprise, a whole healed, put-together life right now with more and more of life on the way. That's what you've got now, a put-together life. One of the things that God wants to do is help you put your life together. I'm in the middle of that right now. I find myself thinking about this over and over again because I, what I really want in my life is I want God to help me put my life together. I'm supposed to be this resurrected person. Why is my life scattered? Maybe, maybe, maybe I need to check my behavior and say, I'm not supposed to feel this way. You go to church too much, you read the Bible too much, you pray too much. Tell me why you're still here. For me, while cleaning out a closet, while sitting down thinking about how this closet got so messy, I have to ask myself, what in the world were you thinking? Did you think it was freedom to throw stuff in this closet and let it sit here? No, it was really bondage. Bondage that would show up later on. A lot of things that we throw in the closet and we hide show up as bondages later on. And maybe we were listening to the wrong voices. Maybe, and I find myself saying that. Temple, what were you thinking? Have anybody know what I'm talking about? You find yourself saying, oh, how in the world did we and our relationship get here? How did we become, so? how did this company get so messed up? What did we not do? Well, I'll tell you what you didn't do. You didn't pay attention, and you have to ask yourself, now, what did I get out of that? Nothing. Where did this lead me to a dead end? And so, what should I do? Learn one big lesson, and we're done for the day. Romans 6, 23. The wages of sin, read it with me, please, come on. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is what? Eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, here's where the Message Bible, a simple language translation, makes it really simple. Here's what he said. Work hard for sin your whole life, and your pension is death. 
when I live outside of resurrected behavior, things die. My emotions, my relationships, my resources, everything gets out of whack and out of place and out of order. If your life is like that, what would it be like to be able today to start all over again? That's what this is about. Coming to God with a broken life and saying, okay, somewhere between here and there, something went wrong. And I may not be able to figure it out. You can blame your mama, your daddy, your cousin, your friend. You can blame your pastor, your church. You can blame anybody you want. The bottom line is, it's not what you want. So what can you do today? Say it with me, please. Come on. Say, start all over again. What would it be like if you could rise and start all over again? It's done. It's finished. There is no more. No more guilt. No more bondage. No more shame. No more sin. Guilt. My closet's messed up, God. My family's messed up, God. And I don't know what to do about it. Die with me. And let me help you start all over again. All over again. Father, in Jesus' name, we lift our hearts to you today. And we thank you for the grace of God that heals broken people. It takes people who did their best but did it wrong, spent too much money, accumulated too much debt, found themselves in a place that they could not ever imagine. They can't even explain how it died. They look at their children with confusion. How could I work 50 hours a week, slave like this, and have disrespectful children? How could I work swing shift? How could I... How could I pay mortgages and light bills and cut grass and have children who talk to me this way? How? How could I love that man and give that man all I gave him and he wants another woman? I'm no longer beautiful because <laughs> I had his children. I'm a little heavier. I'm a little weightier than he wants me to be. I'm not as smooth. I'm a little rough around the edges. Because I woke up early morning raising his children, cleaning his house. But I'm no longer beautiful enough. How in the world did I get to be this broke, this old, this hurt? God, we lay all that before you in Jesus' name. And we say thank you for dying and rising and showing us that if any man is in Christ, he can be brand new. 
you can recreate in me a new life, a new beginning, right where I'm at, broken and hurt. And I love you and I thank you. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, after hearing this message in this last few minutes, I pray, God, that your spirit would bring healing and grace, grace to me. I pray in Jesus' name that your spirit would bring deliverance and power to me. And I pray you'd help me start a brand new life with you. If you're here today and you want to start a life with Jesus, you want to give your life to God today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you want me to pray a prayer for you because you want to start a walk with Jesus. You want to leave out of here resurrected, forgiven. With every head bowed for your privacy, raise your hand so I can pray for you right where you're sitting. Just raise your hand. I see your hand. Anybody else? I see you. I see you. You. Do I see more? Do I see hands over here and some over there? Thank you so much. Back there, over here. God bless you. Over here. And I know there are home people at home doing the same. Father, we pray for all those whose hands are up today. May this be the moment they say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me and giving me a chance to start all over again. Bring all my flaws, all my issues, all my life issues to you. And I thank you that I leave here knowing that you died to set me free. And you rose to give me a new chance. Father, I speak blessing to your people today as they pray this prayer. And I believe this is the beginning of a new life for them. In Jesus' name. Everyone say amen. I'm glad you came. Give God a big hand for being resurrected and free today. Lord, we thank you for your grace and your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen.